Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. This morning, we're concluding a series called This Is Our Home. Over the last couple of Sundays, we've been talking about how the house of God ought to be a home for people. And so we've talked about the, the, the church as a home it is a place to belong. It's a place to own. This is, this is more than just a service that we attend. and no, no, this is a family that we belong to. This is the place where I'm planted. This is the place where God has placed me. This, this is where God has called me. We don't treat the church like it's a hotel or, or like it's a, a cruise ship, but, but actually like it's, like it's our home. I mean, something significant happens on the inside when you decide this is the place where God has put me. This is my home. This is where I'm planted. Tumbleweeds never produce any fruit. And the reason is, is because they never have the chance to put down any roots. But when you're planted, there's the chance for fruitfulness. And so we've been talking about this is our home. But well, this morning, I want to share with us the last part of this, which is about sharing the burden of God. That The whole desire for this series has not been that people would catch a vision. In fact, we've not really talked about that. Not that you and I would catch a mission or a strategy. Those things are important. More than that, that we would catch the same spirit, the same heartbeat, the burden of God for this church in this place at this time. In Numbers chapter 11, there's this moment for Moses and the elders of Israel. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 16, this is what the Bible says. It says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I'll come down and I'll talk with you there. I'll take the spirit that's upon you and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. It's kind of an interesting moment for Israel because in this moment, Moses realizes, I can't do this on my own. In fact, it takes some other people pointing that out to Moses. And then God says, what, what I want you to do is I want you to get the 70 elders. I want you to bring them together. I want you to bring them to the, to the tent of meeting. And I'm going to come and I'm going to take the spirit that's upon you, Moses, and I'm going to place it on the 70. Notice the Bible doesn't say that God took the Holy Spirit and he placed it on the 70. The Bible says that he took the spirit that was upon Moses and he placed it on the 70. Same heartbeat, same DNA, right? And so God takes the spirit that's upon Moses and he places it on the 70. You know, the very next thing, if you read the whole passage, the very next thing that happens is that they all begin to prophesy. Interestingly, that the scripture says it never happens again. Just on that day, they all began to prophesy. And then two of the guys who were supposed to make it to the meeting, they were late. Even God includes some of the latecomers, which is good because some of us are often late. And so, and so, Two of the guys don't make it to the meeting. They're supposed to be there. They don't make it, right? Eldad and Medad are their names, right? You read it in the rest of the chapter. Eldad and Medad, they don't make it. They're still back in the camp. They didn't make it to the tent of meeting. But God still touches them as well. And they begin to prophesy. And then one of the young guys comes running in. It's like, these two guys, they're out there prophesying. And Joshua pipes up and says, oh, Moses, like, you should forbid this, like, God took the Spirit that's on you, placed it on us. Like, we're the people who should be doing that. And, and, God, and Moses says to Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all God's people would be able to see it. 
I wish that all God's people would share in his burden. I wish that all God's people would prophesy. That the whole heartbeat of this is our home, this is really where this whole series started, is that as a church, this would be more than just the place that we attend on a Sunday. This would be the place that we call home. That God would do something supernatural, and I believe he would do it even this morning, that God would do something supernatural where he takes the spirit that's upon the leaders and he places it on the elders. That, that God says, where Moses says, I wish that everybody would see it. That, that every person who calls this place home would begin to share in the burden of God. It's not our burden, it's his, but he gives us the chance to play a part in it. And so this morning, I want to conclude this series, This Is Our Home, A Burden to Share. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to pray this morning. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I pray today that you would help me to be able to preach it. Lord, I pray today that we would leave this place different. God, aware that you have called us. God, aware that you have appointed us and anointed us. That God, we would stand together and share in your burden. Lord, for people in this place at this time. And Lord, for this church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. For Elise and I, there there is a couple who have been that they've been like pastors and mentors to us. They don't live in Australia, they live in Singapore. Their names is Pastor Howe and Pastor Leah, who lead a church called Heart of God Church in Singapore. Many of you will remember that uh, in July this year, we went and visited them in Singapore. And in that time that we were with Pastor Howe and Pastor Leah, there was 600 um, different people, all from 25 different nations, all leading churches or movements. And in that very unique group, Pastor Howe shared something that has resonated with me. He shared this. He shared that vision without a burden is called ambition. Without a burden is called ambition. That's why my desire is not that you would catch a vision or a mission or a strategy. It's that you would share in the burden of God. Vision without a burden is called ambition. The challenge is is that for vision casting in the modern church, it often sounds like a used car salesman, not to say anything against used car salesman who might be in the room. But vision casting for the modern church often sounds like a used car salesman at the front of the church, sharing their vision of all the amazing things the church is going to do this year. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've been a part of that. We'd have 20 campuses by 2020, which might be a good thing. It may even be a God thing, but the real question is why? Why 20? And tell me about those places. Why why those places? Share with me the burden that that comes with. And the challenge is is that oftentimes it doesn't come with any real sense of burden, which means if there's not a strong burden, then your vision is probably more about ambition. That's rather sobering for pastors, right? And so you start with vision. You actually start with a burden from God. Think about Moses. Moses. But by the time God finds Moses in the desert, there's no ambition left in Moses. Moses is hiding on the backside of the desert and he's hiding from his mistakes. There's no desire for leadership in his life left. And God comes to him and God shares a burden with him, not a vision. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, that's the moment where, where Moses encounters God at the burning bush. This is what God says to him, verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard 
them crying out because they're slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. God comes to Moses and he doesn't share with him a vision of delivering his people. He comes to him and he shares his burden. That God says, my heart breaks for my people. I've heard their cries. And as a result of that, I want you to go in my name and say, let my people go. That God was allowing Moses to begin to sense, not in its full entirety, because that would be overwhelming for a person, but but at least in portion to begin to feel what God could feel, his burden for his people. God came to Moses, not to share with him a vision, but a burden. Think about Nehemiah as an example. When Nehemiah goes to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, it's not because he wants to be the leader of Jerusalem. He rebuilds the walls because God shares with him a burden that he feels so deeply that he's compelled to do something about it. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 2, this is what the Bible says. Hananiah, one of my brothers, came. This is, this is Nehemiah relating. Came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Listen to this. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Notice that Nehemiah was concerned for the people and for the place. That's why he asked about both. And when he hears, he's so overcome with the burden for these people. He's beginning to share in God's heart for the remnant that's left in Jerusalem that he begins to weep. That God is beginning to share with him his burden. And so he mourns and he fasts and he prays. Ultimately, Nehemiah didn't rebuild the walls because he wanted to be the leader of Jerusalem. He rebuilt the walls because... God began to share his burden for Jerusalem. Think about Ezra. When Ezra rebuilds the temple, he's not rebuilding the temple because he wants to be the high priest. He's rebuilding the temple because he's overcome by the burden that there's no place for God's people to worship him. And so he rebuilds the temple, which is why from the very start of this series, I've said, I don't need you to catch a vision. I don't need you to catch a mission or a strategy. Those things are important, but they're kind of secondary to the fact that that ultimately what we've got to catch is the burden of God for MCC. That, That if God is sovereign, which he is, that if God is sovereign, then his burden for this church existed before the foundation of the earth. That God always had in mind this church in this place in this time. That when you look at the people that God has already gathered, it's like, it's kind of unfair who God has placed here. Haven't you noticed that? Haven't you met some of the other people who are here and you think to yourself, how on earth did we get so lucky that God put all of these people in the one place? Uh, last weekend, a bunch of people filled in, um, uh, filled in the, the update contact details forms and on it was the chance to answer three questions, which I'm so glad that we did. Initially, we were sort of listing all the different things that sort of happened and how people could be involved. And we thought, you know what? Let's not do that. Let's find out more about people first. Because one of my convictions is if you want to know what God's asking you to do, then just meet the people that God is sending to you because part of the answer lies in who God's sending to you, right? And so we listed that. On Wednesday, we sat down as a team and we're going through all the cards. And to be honest, it was absolutely fascinating, right? It's amazing who God has brought here on the, on the special skills thing. We've got ventriloquists and ex-military. We're not quite sure how we're going to do that, but we're going to have a ventriloquist security team. (laughs) 
it was amazing reading through the different things because just about every card came with a story about what people had done in different parts and, and how the part of what God's asking us to do is found in the people that God is bringing to us. And so if God is sovereign, then, then God's burden for this church in this place existed before the foundations of the earth. God always had in mind what he was going to do. It just so happens that 35 years ago, he shared his burden with a couple in Doug and Marty Drennan. That they got to sense God's burden for this church and this place. When in 1988, they purchased 200 acres in Caloundra and everybody thinks that they're crazy. But that's God beginning to share his burden. God always had in mind this place. God always had in mind this church. God always had in mind that you were going to move from the place where you were to be here. He knew that at some point you were going to hate Sydney and you were going to want to move to Queensland. And he was going to use that. He was going to use that for his glory, right? Wow, that just felt like it was a prophetic moment there. I don't know if that was... If God's sovereign, then, then his burden for this place existed before the foundations of the earth. It just so happens that he began to share his burden with a couple. That God has begun to share his burden with more. And so for you to appreciate where we're going, you've got to appreciate where God has brought us from because you begin to get a sense of the burden of God for that. So let me share with you some of the story for this. In 1988, Doug and Marty Drennan buy 200 acres in Caloundra and everybody thinks that they're crazy. When you talk to Doug and Marty about this, they would say that this land was like a well, that God kept on giving them their money back. It's interesting that they would describe it as a well because underneath this building is a natural spring. In fact, this has been a place where lots of people have gathered even before there was any development here, right? In that same year, Doug and Marty started a church which still runs today called Good Life in Budrum. They started that church because they'd just come back from spending three years in America learning about church planting, came home and decided we should do what we've just been learning about. So they started a church in their living room for the first Sunday and no one came and their kids were fighting. And Doug, being the spiritual man that he was, said, blow this, we're not doing church today. So he put the TV on. And the only thing on TV in 1988 on a Sunday morning was Nines Wide World of Sports. And God using the way that he had wired Doug and Marty and the gifting that's upon their life and the entrepreneurial gift that Doug has, Doug has this epiphany. If I was trying to reach Australians who don't go to church, why wouldn't I do what Australians who don't go to church do? Australia's religion is sport. We should try and reach them there. That the step from meeting to then inviting to church might be too big of a jump. So, so why don't we invite them to teach their kids how to swim or to come and play basketball? And, and then through building that relationship, then it might lead to bigger conversations. And so part of the reason why this building is built the way that it is, is from that moment of clarity in 1988. Well, for a long time, that, that is a dream that resides in their heart and good life is started and established. And then in the last 10 years, their attention turns back to Caloundra. You know, eight years ago, Doug tried to give this whole thing away. He went to four churches and said, I I've got 10 acres of land because he'd sort of divided the land up and different parts have been developed. The state government had come and bought Kiwana Link Road, which is the back corner of the church property. And a chunk had been sold off to another developer who developed Parklands Boulevard and all of Little Mountain. Doug, in his genius, allowing everybody to develop to him, 
right? And then saving the portion of land, the 150 house lots closest to this property and this property, right? And so they tried to give it away. But we've got 10 acres of land and a portion of money that's been set aside from the land sales to be able to build the church. But the only thing is, it's got to be more than a Sunday auditorium. Because the heartbeat is, we've got to reach people, we've got to reach the unchurched. That no person is far from God. You've got to understand that. We're celebrating communion today. No person is far from God. But some people feel like they're far from God, right? God's way closer, but, but they feel like they're far from God. And so if we're going to be a church for the unchurched, if we're going to reach people who feel like God would have no interest in me, right, then we've got to do more than just build a Sunday auditorium. And for different reasons, each of those different churches said no. Wrong timing or not part of our vision or for different reasons, they all said no. And so Marty says to Doug at 69, you're the one with the vision, Doug, you do it. Now, they're not doing it on their own. They've roped in another couple. They invited them over for pizza. Get very nervous if people invite you over for pizza. (laughs) But Doug and Marty and Ken and Tina over pizza say, maybe maybe we should do this. You'll find there's a little detail for for us as a church that whenever we're going to celebrate something, we're going to always add some pizza to it. When we have the baptisms on the 19th, there'll be pizza. It's a little detail, but it just feels like it's fun. It feels like it's a part of the journey. And so they say, if we do this, would you do it with us? So these two couples decide, all right. So they rock up to a park. It's not far from here. It's the A.V. Jennings Park that's just across from the night owl. They're not really sure who's going to show up. In terms of like church planting like strategy, this is not strong strategy, right? It's lots of burden, not lots of strategy. But they rock up to the park and they start. That was eight years ago. First Sunday was a picnic. Then, then the church moved to the school. And then almost 12 months ago, which we'll celebrate in a couple of weeks' time, we moved into this facility. That God's intention from the foundation of the earth was always to establish this church in this place at this time and to involve you and I in it. That's not by accident. It just so happened that God shared his burden with some people and you and I are the beneficiaries of it. But this, again, is an opportunity for God to share his burden. It's not our burden. It's his. We're not carrying the weight of it. He is, right? But this is a chance for God to begin to share his burden with us. That's part of our miracle story. And so the burden of God for this church is a burden for there to be a strong church established. This would be a strong church We're not trying to grow a large church. We're also not trying to grow a small church. We're trying to build a strong church. That a large church might not necessarily be strong, but a strong church always has the potential to be able to grow larger. A strong church is focused on seeing souls saved and disciples made. If you ask us, what are we on about? We're about seeing souls saved and disciples made. Souls saved, disciples made. That is what we are on about. That's the only thing we can do now that we don't get to do in heaven. Right? We want to see souls saved and disciples made. A strong church isn't measured by its seating capacity. A strong church is measured by its serving and its sending capacity. 
We're not focused on building programs. We're focused on building people. That God's burden is not for a building. God's burden is for people. That, 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 that from the very start, one of the things that we've shared is about, it's not about having a big building. It's about having big people, right? That, that we're not focused on building up attendances. We're focused on building up people, that there ought to be a strong church. That the burden for a strong church that's focused on God and people. The one of the things you've got to understand is that we are absolutely focused on God. We are unapologetically Christian. One of my favorite things to do, especially with people who are sort of coming in for the first time, they're like, so what is this whole thing? Well, this is a church. This is so interesting. That one of my favorite things is to begin to share the story. Because, because whether people believe in God or not, they're always like, we don't, we don't know much about this God, but that is an amazing story. We're unapologetically God people. We're passionate about God. We're passionate about His presence. But we understand that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by God's Spirit that lives are touched and changed. It's not by how eloquent we are or how organized we are or how good at things we are or how brilliant our strategy is. Ultimately, it's by God's Spirit that people's lives are changed. And so we are people that are focused on God. But here's the thing. If you are a person who's focused on God, if you're a person whose heart is after God, then it naturally flows that, that if you love God, you begin to love what God's, God loves. What, who does God love? What does God love? God loves people. That God's whole heartbeat is for people. And so to say that you love God, but, but, but then not love people, it is actually... An oxymoron, it doesn't work. Because you find that the more that you love God, the more your heart begins to beat in time with his heart. Years ago in youth camps, we would say to young people that, that, that whether or not God has moved in this youth camp is not measured by whether or not people fall over in this meeting. That the real measure as to whether or not God has really moved is four weeks from now. If four weeks from now, you're more caring of people, you're more considerate, you see others' needs before your own. Then you can say that God moved four weeks ago on youth camp. Because when God touches a person's heart, your heart begins to beat in time with God's heart. God's heart has be been beating from eternity for people made in his image whom he desperately loves, but don't realize that he loves them. And so we, we want to build a strong church. We want to build a strong church that's focused on God and people. But we don't want to use people to build ministry. We want to use ministry to be able to build people's lives. That the testimony of people would be the longer we stay around here, the better our lives seem to get. That we're focused on God and people. The burden for a strong church that's focused on God and people and that lasts many generations that we want to see something that outlives us. That this actually isn't about any of us. This is about 100 years from now when no one remembers that we were involved except for our grandkids, right? I remember when Jonathan was first born. Jonathan's nine now. But I remember when Jonathan was first born, there was a moment where Elise is asleep and I'm holding Jonathan. And it was like a moment that, that I'd have to say it was Holy Spirit inspired. Because it's one of those moments that you like, that's too clever to come from me. I have lots of moments like that. Half the time it's because Elisa shared something. I'm like, that's too smart to come from me. 
But then other times it's from the Holy Spirit. And I'm holding Jonathan and I thought I've had it wrong this whole time. See, because when I first gave my life to Jesus as a teenager, I thought God has saved me in order that I might do something great for him. And then Elise and I got together and we got married. On our, um, on our uh, engagement invitations, it's two birds, a little scripture. We found them the other day, actually. One can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Just if you're thinking of ideas for your engagement party, there you go, there's, there's a scripture for that. Because then Elisa and I get married and I'm thinking, I've had it wrong this whole time. It wasn't that God wanted to do something great through, that's the reason why he saved me. It's so that we could do something great together. That, that on my own, like, that's like a little bit of impact, but, but together we could do way more than either of us could have ever done on our own. Like one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. That, that, that's the reason. It's for us to do something great together. And then I'm holding Jonathan thinking, I've had it wrong the whole time. It was never about what God would do through Elise and I. It's actually about how he would set up the next generation for them to do things that would blow our minds because we never conceived that that would even be possible. What what God might do through your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, that God's burden for this church and this place isn't actually about us. It's about him. It's about his desire to see a strong church established in this place at this time that's focused on him and, and what he loves most, people. That we don't draw lines around this is community and this is the church. We don't do that. Why? Because God looks at both and he says it's mine. Right? We don't talk about is this for the community or is this for the church? Because at what point do you become a part of the community? And at what point do you become a part of the church? Like if you live on Springs Drive, does that make you part of the community? But if you live on Springs Drive and you come along to this church, does that make you part of the church or the community? If you live on Springs Drive and you go to another church, does that make you part of the community and not part of it? Can you see how silly that starts becoming? So we don't draw lines around community and church because God looks at every person and he says, they're mine. They're mine. And so to build a strong church that's focused on God and what God loves most, people, all people, any people, right? That lasts for many generations. I brought this along this morning because some of you will have not seen this. But on the 21st of August last year is when Elise and I were prayed in as the pastors for MCC. And on that day, Doug and Marty and Ken and Tina and the whole church prayed for us, but they gave us, they gave us this. Um, Ken actually salvaged this. This is one of the gum trees that was on this site when it was being cleared. And so he created this baton. That's what it is. Jonathan thought it was a stick to be able to hit people with as he tried to hit me in the office this morning with it. But it was a baton representing that there was the burden of God being shared, that this was an exchange like in a relay. Uh, uh, probably a couple of months ago, Duggan... I were chatting and he, he said to me, you probably don't want to catch up with me much anymore. Like it's been a year and things have progressed on and things are going well. And, and so you probably don't want to catch up anymore. And I said to Doug, I said, actually, I'd really love to. And I meant it because I don't need you to pastor the church, but I really do appreciate you pastoring me because this represents for me a really unique relationship because you understand what it is to feel the weight of God's burden for this place. And that for me is very special to carry it as well. On it, there's four scriptures. We're going to put them on the screen. But 
there's four scriptures that were part of foundationally for this. And I wanted to share them because I think this is kind of one of those special things that you can take away and, and remember. And so the first one of these is Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, which says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You can take these down. The next one's from Luke chapter 8 and verse 16. It says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. That God has called us to be a light. The next one is Matthew 28. These three all sit together on this one side of this baton. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Those three scriptures sit on this one side of this baton, and on the other side is another scripture, which is Isaiah 43. Interestingly for us, we, we never knew this, obviously, at the time because we never knew the Drinnens, but for them, this has been a bit of a life verse. Interestingly for Elise and I, the, the church that we had grown up in, when God began to stir our hearts about something new and, and that at some point we would leave, he did so with Isaiah 43. In fact, I preached a series of messages that, that actually weren't for the church then at that time. They're actually for me because God was stirring my heart. In fact, it felt so strong in my heart, it felt like people are going to ask you what's next and you're not to answer that question. It almost felt like it would be disobedience to say what was next. Because God said it won't be about what's next, it'll be about something that's new. This journey for us represents the, the completion of that story. But Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19, this is the scripture. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That for Doug and Marty, for Elise and I, but also for you, that this would be the new thing that God is doing. There might be parts of it that look like some of the old stuff, but this is a new thing. And the only way to take a new adventure, right, is to strap yourself in, acknowledging this is new. There's a whole lot that I might have learned in the past, but this is a new thing that God's doing. This isn't the next thing. This isn't just the same old thing. This isn't just the next stop on the road. This is the new thing that God has assembled his A-team. That's why you're here, for the new thing that he wants to establish and do. Those four scriptures are foundational. Here's the last part of this is that for each of us, this is more than just, you can hear, right? About catching a vision or a mission or a strategy. It's about beginning to sense in your own heart, this is the place where God has put me. This is the place where God has planted me. This is going to be my home. And as my home, it's the place that I'm welcoming guests where strangers will become friends and friends will become family. I brought one other thing today, partly to prove that it actually exists. And this is a green piece of paper. But because for Elise and I, in terms of feeling called here, and you will have your own stories in this, right? Because it's not by accident that this stuff happens. 
But this green piece of paper was something that we received in a church in Ipswich. What happened for us is that we had run into a couple called Angela and Noel Williams at an event. And they had said to us, hey, we'd love to catch up with you guys. This is like early last year in April. And so we said to them, well, we, we come over to our house. We, we, the event was on the Gold Coast, but we realized that we all lived on the Sunshine Coast. And so we said, well, why don't you come over to our place for dinner? And so at the end of April, they did. They came over to our house for dinner. And over dinner, they began to, began to share, hey, look, this is what's just happened in our church. The pastor's just resigned for the second time. We're in the middle of a building project. Um, and, and they finished the conversation by saying, and we feel really strongly that you guys are supposed to come and be the pastors. And we really politely, full of faith, blow them off. We say to them, that's really nice that you think so highly of us and stuff, but we're pretty settled in what we're doing and, you know, like, you know, thanks. They, they say, that's fine, but you are going to pray about it, aren't you? And those people who ask you to pray about stuff, eh? It's dangerous. And we're like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course, yes. Yes, we will pray about it, yes. Well, that dinner is on a Thursday night, and, and that weekend is the Anzac Day weekend, and Jonathan's got Monday off school, so we're like, well, we'll make a, week, a weekend of it. Kids love spending a couple of nights in a hotel. They love swimming in a pool, and uh, they don't know that it's Ipswich. And so, um, it <laughs> could be any hotel anyway. So we're like, we'll make a weekend of it. So on the Saturday morning, we're about to drive out to Ipswich. I've never been to the church before, but I know the pastor. And, uh, and so we're driving out. Just before we're about to leave, Elise comes out of our bedroom. And she, she says, I feel like God's just spoken to me, which is not unusual for Elise, right? She says, I feel like God's just spoken to me from Psalm 105 about inheriting land and nations that you haven't toiled for. The scripture on the inside cover of this booklet is that scripture, Psalm 105. I feel like I've, God's just spoken to me about inheriting land and nations that you haven't toiled for. I don't really think much more about it right? What I do is, is get us all in the car and we drive out to Ipswich. The next day I'm preaching in the church. At the end of the service, this lady comes up to me and, and at the end of the service, she says, I can sense that you're prophetic. God's given me a word for you. Can I share it? I'm like, sure, knock yourself out. I don't know this lady. I've never been to this church before, right? She gives me this piece of paper and on it, you can't really see it, but there's a little house there and it's surrounded by development on these three sides. And she says to me, she says, you're about to inherit something that you haven't toiled for that's been protected by a family while development has been happening all around it. So I don't know if that means anything to you. Maybe someone's about to give you some money. And then she turns on her heels and she walks off. And I'm like, holy smokes, that's really specific. We should actually be praying about this. <laughs> There's a bunch of other things that happen in that story. But, but all of which remind us of the fact that actually this isn't our burden, it's God's. It just so happens that God began his, to share his burden with some people. Because his heartbeat has always been that there would be a strong church. It's focused on him and people that would last for many generations in this place. And that you and I get to play our part in that. It's actually not about us. You know, the scripture says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, when you're moving something, you know, when you're moving house or whatever, there's always like the heavy side and, the, and like the, the not so heavy side. The heavy side, just for reference, is if you're carrying a piano upstairs, the low side, that's the heavy side. The high side, not so much, right? 
And so if you're on the high side and you're like, this isn't that heavy, don't say that because the people on the lower side, it's heavy, right? There is a weight that comes with the burden of God, but you understand that it's not, it's not that burden in its entirety. That then we get to play a portion in what God is doing, but he is carrying the heavy side, which is why I can say his yoke is easy and his burden is light. There is, there is a great joy to carrying the burden of God. Why? Because it's actually his. And even though he doesn't need any of us, he chooses to include us in what he is doing on the earth. And so what I want to ask you this morning as we complete this sermon, but also this series, is to be able to ask, are you ready to carry that weight? Are you at that point where you'd say, this is my home. This is where God has called me. This is where God has planted me. And I want to sense the burden of God in my own soul. I want... I want to carry the weight that in the same way that the four friends carry their friend on the mat. You remember that story? They dig a hole through the roof and they lower him to Jesus. That each one of them was carrying a corner. Are you ready at this moment to say, do you know what? I'm ready to take up my corner of the mat. Because some of you realize just how significant that question really is. Because for some people who are in the room today, that this is the only church you've ever known. This is the place where you got saved. This is the place where your kids are going to grow up. This is where you got baptized. For others of you, God has brought you in from other places. And maybe this has been a journey for you to come to this point of saying, do you know what, this is going to be my church. This is where God's planted me. Maybe for some of you, you've been coming along and you've been attending. And maybe even the fact that you're in church is a bit of a miracle in itself. Because there's been a hurt or a pain. We saw somebody in church did something to wrong you. And you've thought to yourself, I'll never be in church again. I'm never going to put myself through that again. And yet even the fact that you're here is a bit of a miracle. Because you're here. And so as the worship team comes back this morning, I wanted to end this morning actually giving us a chance not to, not so much to be able to respond to a message, but to be able to respond to God. What I'd really love is for us to take just a few minutes this morning to be able to worship. Not for you to hear the burden of God in my heart, but for you to hear the burden of God in your own heart. And maybe for some people who are in this room today, God, God's actually going to bring a level of healing because you said, oh, I'm never going to be that involved again because something happened or some sort of difficulty or whatever. Or, or maybe you've just never known what it's like to be able to do that. But what I'd love this morning is if we'd stand to our feet and if we take a moment to worship and just before we do, I want to pray for us. Would you just right where you are, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes. The team's going to lead us in just a song of worship in just a moment. But I want to pray for us just before they do. Lord, I just thank you this morning for every single person who's in this room. God, greatly loved by you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that even right now, that God, you would begin to speak to people's hearts. God, that we would hear your voice speaking to us, calling us home, calling us to build a home, 
for people who maybe feel like they're far from you, but no one's that far from you. The God today that we'd be aware of your burden. God, I pray even in these couple of moments as we begin to worship, that God, you would begin to share your burden for this church in this place at this time. God, I pray that you would break our hearts for the plight of people who see themselves as being far from you. That, God, you would break people who are our neighbours in our own street, that the people who we go to work with and, and see every single day. Lord, Lord, for the people who are part of our family. God, the people who are, who are in our university course or, or, or in our local high school, in our grade. That, God, we wouldn't be able to see them, Lord, the same way. God, we begin to see them the way that you do. God, I pray, break our hearts for people. God, let us begin to sense your burden for people. Holy Spirit, I pray, come and speak to people's hearts even right now. Lord, in only the way that you can, please do. Come on, right where you are, the team's going to lead us in a song of worship. And I believe that God's going to speak to you right now. In Jesus' name. Before, um, before we finish this morning, Elisa's going to pray for us. And specifically, where this whole series started for me is up the back of the auditorium praying with a couple other guys, with Ben Taylor. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want to share my burden with them, but I can't until they're healed and made whole. That in the same way, in the same way that a broken leg can't bear any weight, a broken heart struggles to be able to bear the burden of God. And so I want to pray this morning for people because I know that there'll be people who are here because God spoke to me about it weeks ago. Where there's been a level of brokenness in your own heart. That's why I started this series this way and that's why we're finishing it this way. This is not about us ministering. This is about the Holy Spirit ministering to a place where there's brokenness. For His glory and for His purpose. And so just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment. Even as I share that, you know that that's you. I don't know the story, but God does. If that's you, just for a moment, would you just look up? Just make some eye contact so I know who I'm talking to. Yeah. Yeah. I want to pray even right now that God would bring healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. God, we just thank you, Lord God, that you love your people, Lord. And we just pray for every single person right now. God, we just thank you that you would minister your Holy Spirit to them, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, God, that you would move in this place right now. God, that you would create new life in us. Lord God, for every single person, Lord God, that needs healing, Lord Jesus, that is acknowledging that this morning, even how brave and courageous that is, Lord Jesus. We just thank you that you would minister. God, that you would bring healing where there's been brokenness. God, that where there's been old life, Lord God, 
that you would shift, God, that there would be new life in us. God, we thank you that you are doing something new here and that people would sense a sense of that, Lord God, that like a new spring, Lord, welling up in this place, God, that that would be prophetic over every single person's life that you bring into this place, Lord Jesus, that we wouldn't focus on the old, God, but we thank you for the new and we thank you how miraculous it is for those that have been broken and that have been hurt, that they would be here this morning, Lord. God, and we just thank you for miracles in this place. God, I thank you that we would hear testimonies, God, that people would testify of your goodness, Lord. God, that this would be a place, God, where people that have been hurt or broken, God, would come in, God, and and experience healing, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you, Lord God, that we would just see, God, a new thing happen in this room, Lord God. I thank you that our Sunday service would resemble that, Lord Jesus, that you would draw in people, specifically even, God, that have been hurt or broken, God, and that would find healing, God, and freedom, freedom, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, Holy Spirit. And we just ask you for miracles in this room, Lord God. We thank you that you would move in people's lives in such a miraculous way. I thank you for where people have been triggered, God, even in these services, Lord Jesus, where people get triggered, Lord God, that you would bring freedom and healing, Lord God. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, that you would move, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you are good, that you love your church, that your church is your bride, Lord Jesus. And we just pray that you would help us, God, in all that we do to honour you in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. 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 It's good. It'd be exciting to see what God will do with a company of people who say, God, use me. Use me. Share your burden with me. God, use me to be a part of the answer in this place at this time. It's not by accident that God has assembled you and I all here together. That's a part of His plan. He was dreaming of this a long, long time ago right? That healing and that wholeness is so important because for us to be a part of that answer, it's not easy. It's difficult. It's messy. It's relationships. It's the chance to be hurt. For for Howe and Leah, they said to us, they said, you'll know that you're ready to pastor a church again when you're ready for two things. You're ready to face obscurity. No one knows who you are, where you are, or what you're doing. After you've been celebrated, no one knows. And you're ready to be hurt by people. Because inevitably in the journey of seeing souls saved and disciples made, you'll pour your life into people and and sometimes they'll come hurt. And so there's got to be healing and wholeness. Imagine what that feels like for God, that He gives us just a taste of what His burden in His heart feels like when He places a portion of it in ours. That the driving passion of our lives would be to build a strong church, it's focused on God and it's focused on the people that last many generations, that you and I get to be a part of that. God, I thank you for these people. Lord, I pray today, God, your hand upon them. God, your blessing and your favour. God, watch over them and protect them today, I pray. And Lord, you who've begun this good work, Lord, you'll see it through to completion. Lord, today we thank you and we give you praise for that. Lord, I thank you today that you would continue, Lord, this work in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. 
Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day and until next time, bless you.